Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I suspect there's even some of you that we haven't even had the chance to meet yet. I'm, I'm Matt. I'm... I'm uh, just kind of struck in a moment, and um, not necessarily wanting to put my moment on you, or but just trying to be sensitive to what the Lord's doing right now. And uh, I've just got such a, a sense that He's like breathing fresh uh, wind in us as a people. Um, and I can't even point to one specific thing. Honestly, it's just uh, it's just the sense and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm finding myself a little bit dumbfounded, to be honest. Uh, struggled even to sing. Struggling to talk a little bit. That's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I feel like that's just, I, I just wanted to name that. I, I feel like God's breathing something fresh and good uh, in us as a, as a people. Um, uh, yesterday was uh, certainly a part of that. I mean, like, again, I can't point to any one particular thing. Like, it was just amazing to me to walk into here and to, to hear and to see all that was going on. And, um, you know, we left a bunch of the work up there, the post-it notes. And, you know, if you weren't here, the post-it notes might not even make all that much sense to you. But just, you, you look at each one of the post-it notes and that's a voice, a voice of somebody who's passionate about something that God's doing here. And um, it was just really good. Uh, those of you who are here, thank you. That was commitment, uh, three hours together. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. For those of you who weren't here, like, we're not done. We're figuring stuff out, and there's more journey to take. But, but yesterday was a part of that. And then just, again, kind of what I'm sensing this morning. So... Um, yeah, thanks for hearing me. <laughs> I usually like to be a little bit more orderly. And, um, so anyway, yeah, I feel like God's doing something special. You know, he's been doing something special behind the scenes. Um, you know, there's just been hurt that we've been leaning into together, particularly among leaders. And it's not been just leaders, but, um, you know, and, and being able to see how, We've hurt each other and and gotten sideways together, and and I, that's like, that's me, and it's others, and and yet seeing God's sweetness and bringing healing to those things, you know. So I, like that's underwater. That's uh, you guys don't see a lot of that stuff, but it's it's a part of what God is doing here. Um, just want to name it. So, Love you, hey, thanks, Sarah. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, uh, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to say what you don't want said, and uh, so continue to reveal yourself to us today. Do that through your Word and through the gentle grace of your Spirit. Refresh our love for you, 
refresh our love for you. In your love, bring conviction to places where we have been harboring sin, even thinking that we're the only ones who know that we would come before you in humility. Continue to do healing work in us as a people. Think about your church more broadly in this community, and, and a lot of us are aware of some stuff that's going on with Next Level Church. We pray your blessing on them as a people, Father, that you would bring healing where there's hurt and division and anger. That you would do a restorative work as only you can. And for those who would seek refuge amongst us and other communities, we pray your healing upon them. Continue to do your work in our midst and let us see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Romans chapter 12. Here we are again. The Apostle Paul is leading us, igniting in us an imagination for, um, for what it looks like when love breaks loose when love breaks loose amongst God's people. And it gets real, doesn't it? Like, he doesn't let us just be theoretical about any of this. It gets real. And so we pay attention to these things. So we're paying attention together in Romans chapter 12. We're going to read just a a few verses here, beginning at verse 14 through 17, right? So it's just one little paragraph probably in your translation. Um, But just one little piece here, and it's picking up. It's a part of this context of when the rubber meets the road, when love is in action. Listen to what he writes. Romans 12, verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate people of low position. Do not be conceited. We're going to stop there for today. When love gets real, it recognizes persecution. It sees it. It experiences it. Like we experience persecution. Now, that, that word is, is used a lot to describe things that, that make me kind of go, I, I'm not sure that's what we mean by persecution, right? So, so this isn't going to be a a culture war message for us, because I don't think that's what Paul is doing here. Paul is actually establishing a different way. What does life in Christ look like? By his grace, by his mercy, and through his loving self-sacrifice, Jesus opened the door for us to know new life, new life. And so we look at what this new life is like, 
And this new life in Christ plays itself out in love for one another in strong, powerful ways. And as we learn to love each other, as we learn to leave in, lean in, as we learn to follow him in, uh, in, in new allegiance, right? we change our allegiance from, from our allegiance to the way the world works to an allegiance to the way the kingdom of God works and the way that Jesus leads us into that in this new life. As we do that, there will be opposition. The language that's used here is persecution, And what is our response to persecution? Bless those who persecute you. That stands out, doesn't it? It it ought to make us a bit uncomfortable. Bless those who persecute you. And there is a persecution that will come because the world, people, principalities and powers, systems don't understand the kingdom of God. Scripture has told us the light has come, but those to whom it's come don't even want it. They like the darkness. The world isn't hardwired to recognize the light when it comes. So we will experience persecution and we will experience that in different ways. And honestly, and, so, and, and this is on, on me and others like me who are teachers, who are elders, who are leaders. We have not prepared the church for suffering and persecution. We have had good days. We have enjoyed the favor of a culture that invites us in. But one of the things that's happening in these days is the parade is over. It's not ending, it's over. And if we are to live in faithfulness to Christ, we will experience persecution. And you know this. You know this. Teachers, you know this. Doctors and nurses and PAs and PTs and OTs, you know this. In your business, you work to honor Christ in your business, you know this. In law enforcement and social work, you know this. And it's going to come in different forms. And as a people, we need to know how to respond when it comes. Paul says, bless those who persecute you, who are unfair, who are unjust, who are maligning and slandering. Bless those who persecute you. But it's also interesting to note here Remember, we talked about this last week. These aren't just a bunch of hodgepodge, throw spaghetti on the wall sayings of Paul. He's saying these things in order, together, on purpose. And so there's a context that we pay attention to. And that context is us. 
And while a lot of our language and imagination for persecution centers on that, we need to pay attention to it. What do we do? Bless those who persecute you. Paul is making it very clear in this context. He's also talking about us. For the fact of the matter is, as we live out what it means to belong, not only to him but to each other, we will find ourselves running afoul of each other. And it might not fit into the template of persecution. Like, the the chances are within the body of Christ, there isn't going to be that person who just completely needles you and berates you and undermines you. I mean, maybe sometimes that happens, but for the most part, those, you know, we'd say, do I experience persecution in the church? Well, no. But let's pay attention to the places where we've gotten sideways together. Persecution isn't always about the poking in the chest, undermining. Persecution, hurt, causing pain and grief in each other happens through our withdrawal of love from another. In the subtle and not so subtle ways that we dehumanize another, that we set another apart, that we carry judgment and put our judgment on another. These are ways that this happens in the body of Christ. Some of you have tasted that. I have tasted that. You have tasted that. I have done that. You have done that. If we are going to be a community of authenticity, a community of openness with each other, a community of trust with each other we're gonna bang into each other and it's gonna go sideways what do you do when a person treats you unfairly unjustly and unkindly bless those who persecute you and we're not talking about the oh bless your heart Right, because you know, like if we were in the South, we we could do that, but we're not. And those of you who've been, you know, like bless your heart really means you're an idiot. <laughs> but I'm smiling at you. That's not what Paul's talking about here. This isn't. He's not like bless your heart to those who persecute you. He's like bless those who persecute you. And you have an imagination right now with those where you have hurt. It might be in church world, it might be in your home where you carry hurt. Listen, Jesus in his mercy, Jesus in his kindness, Jesus in his abundant love says be free. And do you want to know how to be free? Bless those who persecute you. Hurt, undermining, dehumanizing, judging, constrains, and Jesus in his mercy, in his beauty, in his goodness says, be free. Bless those who persecute you. 
To bless another is to breathe life into another. To bless is to breathe life. Look at what God did in creation out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed his breath. And they became a living being. To curse is to pull life from another. To dehumanize, to treat the other as a beast of the field. And we embrace that so often. We dehumanize ourselves. But to bless is to breathe life. You're not God, right? But if you are a follower of Jesus and the spirit of God is in you and you are empowered to bless, you breathe life into the other. It's how we speak blessing. Could be as simple as, here's how I see God at work in you. Or you know what? I had somebody talking uh, around the tables yesterday and they, they made this comment like, I'm just a, such a competitive person and I'm just not even sure why God did that and how to do that, but I'm just a really competitive person. And I, th- I thought and I, I tried to speak even blessing and, and saying, God wired you in that way. He is a jealous God. He, he is zealous for his people and his righteousness and his holiness. And so that sense in you of like, ugh. There's a piece of that that's God. Now what we also know is we get shadows of that stuff. But blessing is saying, I see this in you. God is alive in you. God is at work in you. When you do this, that reflects God. Oh, that's so beautiful. You know, my daughter is one of the most kind, gentle people you will ever meet in your life. And part of blessing her is to say, your kindness reflects the kindness of God. When you are kind to others, that's what God's kindness looks like. We bless even those who persecute you. Can you look at the person who has hurt you, has undermined you, who has been unjust, and look at them as human, and then bless them? Breathe life into them? Of course they don't deserve it. Right? Because that's part of what you're thinking. Well, they don't really deserve it. None of us do. None of us do. God has blessed us. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. And those who persecute us certainly don't. Bless those who persecute you. Blessing is a powerful word. And concept. We trivialize it, right? The, oh, bless your heart. We trivialize it, and we just like, oh, um, when, when sometimes we'll, we'll do this, and not all the time, but, but sometimes we'll like, there's something that I really worked hard at, and I accomplished, and I even recognize that God helped me do that kind of a thing, um, but I just kind of like try to take my hands off it in what, for some, not everybody, but for some, it's a false modesty. Oh, God just blessed me. Well, yeah, God worked with you. That's blessing, certainly, right? But, but sometimes we cheapen the word. There, the, the word bless is not cheap at all in Scripture. It's powerful. It's transformational. It's the cutting edge of the kingdom of God on the move, blessing. And so your wife has hurt you. Bless her. Your husband has not only disappointed you, but undermined you, made you feel small. Bless him. Your children are 
whatever your children are. (laughs) Bless them. Bless those who persecute you. So how do we bless them? What does that look like? Look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Part of blessing is proximity. Sometimes we don't know what to do with other people's emotions, do we? Like people can get really exuberant and excited and sometimes I'll even feel like, dial it down a little bit. Like, like that's all good and everything, but whoop, bring it down. Like sometimes I feel a little bit uncomfortable and I put up these little bears. Or, or sometimes we're really uncomfortable with people's sadness. Like a person who is, is grieved and we don't know what to do with other people's grief. We're almost afraid to get some on us. And so we say trite and trivial things. It'll get better. They're in a better place. They're happy now. All while trying to stand back and not get it as honest. But blessing looks like I am going to celebrate with you. I don't even completely understand what's got you so jacked up, but here we go, right? Whoop, whoop, here we go. And so we're going to celebrate together. That's phenomenal. That's great, right? This eats away to any jealousy, particularly bless those who persecute you. Do you like to see those who have come against you, who have stood against you, experience prosperity and goodness? They're like, God, how can it happen to them but not to me, right? Blessing eats away at our own jealousy, And so we move close and we celebrate. You got that raise. Fantastic. You worked hard for this. Blessings to you. I see this in you. Right? What does it look like to bless? To move near. To to be present with sorrow and grief. We mourn with those who mourn. Set aside the answers. Set aside the things that we see, the platitudes that are designed really, if we're honest, just to make us feel better. Mourn with those who mourn. We bless them in proximity. Verse 16, we live in harmony with one another. Harmony. This rings of a musical word. We hear it with our musicians who serve us so well. You've heard this if you've ever been in a choir. It's different notes, but they work together. They work together to create beauty. This is another picture. He talked about the body, many, one body, many parts. Here's another picture. There's, there's many notes, but one melody, harmony that comes together, and it's beautiful, and it's good. There are times where everybody sings the same note, but harmony, we sing different notes, but they work, they fit, and they're beautiful. He's not coaching us on singing. He's coaching us and directing us, live in harmony with others. And there's a difference, and we could uh, dig into this further, and we're not going to go down this uh, hole much further today, but... Sometimes we take this directive to live in harmony with um, kind of just placating or might even just call it peacekeeping. Um, there's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Peacekeeping is often an abdication 
of difficult and challenging conversations. Peacemaking is a pursuit of harmony where we are diff- we're singing different notes, but we're coming together that it might be beautiful. There's a, there's a difference. There's a distinction. And so don't hear the live at harmony with each other of like, just got to suck it up some more. Got to bite my tongue. So, there may be times you need to bite your tongue. Like not everybody needs to hear everything that you say. Not everybody needs to hear everything that I need to say. So there are times, right? That's just, there's discernment in this, but it's not hiding. It's not abdicating. It's not withdrawing to the shadows because what does that do? It actually stirs up more contempt, right? We see these things happening in our hearts. And so live in harmony with one another. What does that harmony look like? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Sometimes they're like, that's a little awkward, Paul. Like, you kind of turn to the person next to you and say, aren't you glad I associate with people of low position? Like, that's not going to help you out. So there, there's, there's some difficulty in translation, and a lot of your Bibles probably even have this note in there. that We weren't sure if kind of that, that lowly position is speaking of, um, is, is defining a, a person, or if it's defining an activity. And so another way that that could be translated of, of don't hide yourself from, don't, don't be unwilling to do the menial task to do the unseen tasks, to do the menial things, the, to do the things that are beneath you, if there is such a thing. And so there's even this irony of what Paul is, like, like don't not do the things that are beneath you, and then he follows that up with don't be conceited, right? So at the very time we're like, well, this is beneath me, the next line ought to get our attention. Because if we're not conceited, is there really anything that's beneath us? No. Like, that's the answer. That's the cheat on the test. No. And so Paul, in doing this, is not just giving directives, but he's exposing our hearts. He's exposing our hearts. So there are people who just, mm, no. There are things that are just, mm, no. In all of this, is the call to bless those who persecute you. We're going to um, we're going to sit at the Lord's supper today, Lord's table. And we're going to receive communion. But I think there's something that God wants to do in the midst of this. And so I just want to create some space for us to do this. You know, when Scripture talks about communion, the Lord's Supper, it it, uh, is a reminder of the sacrifice of Jesus. And it it challenges us to, to set our hearts before him in repentance and humility, receiving forgiveness and his righteousness, Right? And so part of preparing ourselves for communion is being right with God, confessing our sin, receiving his grace. And it can be as simple as like just pause and, and let God's spirit prompt you. Like he does that. 
He doesn't want sin to rest in the shadows of your soul. So he's going to show you those places. If you will be open-hearted, he will show you those places where you have not loved him with your whole heart, where you have not loved your neighbor as yourself, where, where you have uh, rejected him, where you have done what you have wanted and what is right in your own eyes. He will show you those places, and then you confess that to him. Right, so, Lord, I confess my sin. Name it. And then, and then say, and I receive your mercy and forgiveness. Those are simple little prayers of confession and repentance. Now, Scripture also tells us to confess your sins one to another, that you might be healed. There's something about name it. Well, what do we normally do with our sin? We shame, we're shamed, we hide it. But there's an invitation of Scripture that says, bring it into the light. And so some of you in these moments actually might be prompted to move to somebody that you trust. You might be sitting next to them. might be somebody across the room, a group leader or somebody that's been helpful for you, whatever it is. And you're just feeling God prompt you to confess your sin to them. Not your sin at them, per se, but your sin. And so you can approach them and say, well, will you hear? I just need to name this and bring my sin before you, before God. Confess our sins one to another that we might be healed. So you're going to have space to, to go and do that. Another way that scripture challenges us, it's the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. And he challenges us that communion is honestly an honoring and celebration of the body of Christ. He has harsh words for those who sit at the Lord's table with division. And so part of preparing yourself today is to go before him and allow him to see where you are harboring resentment, unforgiveness, where you know you have wronged another, but you have not owned it and confessed it before them. And that person might be sitting here today. And there is actually the space, the time and the physical space for you to move to them if so prompted. Nobody's going to force you. But if that's something that's stirring in your heart, you move to them. And you might say something like, I know that I've hurt you. I don't even understand all the ways that I have, but I love you and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And if somebody might come to you, then you can respond with something like, I love you and I forgive you. Part of preparing ourselves to come to the Lord's table is to set ourselves right with God and to set ourselves right with each other. I think there's some healing that God wants to do here today. And we want to let him do that. So you process those things. When you are clear, whenever it is, you determine when it is. My heart is clear. Then come up. We've got some communion up here. We've got some communion in the back. Balcony will come down. Get where you need to move to the communion, and can I encourage you to not do it alone? Even if you're here alone, do it with some others. It's a, it's a celebration of the body. So don't do it alone. But you're going to come up, you take the thing, step off to the side, might be as a family, maybe you're here with your small group or people that you know, that's great. Um, there may be people that don't walk so well and you can serve them by bringing it to them, totally great with that. But, but receive it together, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. Eat it, drink it. And give him thanks, as you do. 
Our teams are going to come up and just uh, create some space for us to do this. I'll be back in a little bit. You do you. You do what God wants to do as you follow him. Jesus, you have set the table for us today. You have set the table for us 2,000 years ago and welcomed us to it. We don't deserve the blessing of your nearness, but you have given it to us. We don't deserve the blessing of your forgiveness, but you have given it to us. And so I pray, Father, that you would do a work here today. And even if the conversations aren't had, turn our hearts toward peace. Turn our hearts towards peace with you, with our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.
of his presence is healing grace mercy forgiveness may you walk in freedom there may be some who still kind of want to sit quietly as you leave would you kind of respect that space for folks Um, head on out parking lot commons enjoy some conversation there but let this be some space where people can sit quietly if they so choose Uh, parents don't forget your kids But uh, walk with God. Walk with God. Know his freedom. He is so good. He is so beautiful. He is so kind. He is so merciful. May you know his love and peace as you go. Take care. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.